You're listening to PPC Podcast. I am your host, Paul Wicker, and this week we spoke with my old buddy, Brian Quinn, who works at Kenshu. So this week we spoke about video, we talked Snapchat, talked a little bit about how much I hate when people build mobile apps, and the crossover between search and social, and, and whether that's real or just fantasy we all talk about. Most importantly, we learned that Brian has a Pinterest board of awkward family photos that I will now search for. We record PPC Podcasts each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific out of our Ad Stage headquarters. You can join us live on Blab, or you can pick up our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. If you want to sign up for our weekly newsletter, you can head over to blog.adstage.io and sign up for it there. Enjoy the episode. All right, so we're out with Ryan Quinn, Ken Schuer, who I, I worked with for many, many years back in the day and was kind enough to join us this week on PPC Podcast. So, hi, Brian. Hi, good morning. Um, and you are, are you in London, New York, or San Francisco? Uh, those are the three choices I get. Well, <laughs> I thought I knew where you were. Uh, I'm in San Francisco. All right. Back from London or yes. New York? I was in London last week. Very nice. Um, and what do you do for Kenshu? Uh, well, formally, I, I am supposed to look after the revenue <clears throat> of a number of our <clears throat> product lines, uh, so social mobile, um, which is sort of mobile apps and gaming, and our local business, which I think you're familiar with. But, um, you know, I like to think of myself as sort of like the fun guy in the office or the guy mostly responsible for taking people out for happy hour. Um, right. that's, where my, that's, my, that's where most of my thinking goes. So what's your best happy hour spot in San Francisco? Well, we keep them a secret. So I got a little game where we try to, uh, each time we go out, um, a different member of the team has to choose a bar that nobody's been to, um, which can get kind of tricky. Um, so we, we find ourselves way out in the Excelsior sometimes, like way past mission to some, you know, dirty dive bars um, just to find something new. So, impressive. you know, one of those would be my one of my favorite probably, yeah. Very impressive. Uh, and the Super Bowl is this weekend in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. So they mm -hmm. shut down Market Street for a few blocks for – Super Bowl City. Yeah, um, have you been? Are you excited about it? You know, I'm. I'm surprised. I. I. Like, who comes this early for the Super Bowl? I, I guess I'm still trying to learn. I didn't realize that there was a you know a week in advance. There's all kinds of busloads of people who apparently aren't even going to the games. I just want to know who these people are. Yeah, um, well, they're pretty dumb too because I was reading you know, all these people were complaining like it's the Super Bowl's not even in San Francisco. Uh, like there's some rule that your stadium has to be in, in the city downtown, which is not the case. You know, if you go see the New York Giants, football Giants play, you're going to watch them in New Jersey. If you go to Philadelphia, you're way down in South Philly watching the Eagles play. But people are like outraged that. Yeah. 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 So far away. But who buys, you know, two tickets for $4,000 and then shows up to be like, the stadium's not even here. <laughs> yeah. Or who you know who I want to see the the the, the real diehards the purists partying right now in Santa Clara. Right. You know, is there, are there is there is there are they having a good time in the suburbs? Or down in Super Bowl City, which is basically like four corporate booths and NFL networks broadcasting, and then uh, Chris Isaac singing. <laughs> right, right, right. I just want to know what they did with all the the homeless folks down in that area because that was their turf. So. Yeah, they are still around. They just pushed them all out like a block or so. But yeah. Um, cool. Well, so you're back in San Francisco and you said you used to look after all those business units. So what are you doing these days? Well, that's what I'm, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. 
Um, okay, still doing that. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what I'm doing. So basically, what we've grouped, um, as you know, you know, Kenshu is is started out as a search company, and over the years, we've added different lines of businesses. So I look after the lines of businesses that are everything but search, uh, which is really sort of the growth engines of the company. Um, so what are some examples of those things that are not search? You mentioned mobile and local, but what does that actually mean? Yeah, so local is sort of a, um, it's a product offering that uh, it's based on, on SEM, um, but it's built for sort of a different use case and a different kind of client. So small, mid-sized business type agencies that might have thousands and hundreds of thousands of accounts that need sort of budget controls and a, an account structure that scales horizontally. Um, if you think about sort of like the tier three of an auto uh, play uh, as a use case or, you know, the co-op budgets in retail. Um, <clears throat> so our local business, which I know you have some familiarity with, um, uh, is uh, <clears throat> is definitely something that uh, I think you'd be happy to know is, is actually growing faster than a lot of other pieces of the business right now. Uh, uh, so there's a lot, of, a lot of cool focus there. Uh, well, I would expect it too. For folks who listen to this, they'll be uh, happy to know I used to run that product for Kenshu for uh, three years. Yeah. And once we fix all the product issues, things really <laughs> kind of turned around. So. Once I left, things really yeah. <laughs> God, that wicker guy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, and then mobile, how does like, there's always this argument about, you know, we need more mobile, but then mobile's a part of everything now. It's almost sure. a foregone conclusion that when you buy traffic from Facebook, some, I think 60 or 70% of it is now mobile. So yeah. what, is, what does mobile mean at Kenshu? Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's an important question. And I think um, what I'm trying to make sure that we maintain a sort of differentiation between mobile as in sort of mobile traffic and mobile placements of ads and then mobile apps, which are a very different uh, budget in organizations. It's a different strategy. There's different publishers to talk about. So when we say mobile, I'm always the annoying guy trying to clarify, are you talking about sort of mobile in the big world, um, which is sort of inherent in all other um, publishers and channels, or are we talking about sort of mobile apps? So mobile apps is a piece of the business that um, we have folks dedicated on. We see massive opportunity and uh, their world is changing and they're looking for more premium publishers um, and moving away from the fragmented world of ad networks and uh, a lot of mobile display because they're finding better quality traffic and users on Facebook and Google and Instagram and AdMob. So that's really where a lot of our focus has been, um, specifically on the app side. And we should know in This Week in Ad Tech, which is a newsletter we put out every week, which we'll post a link for and you can sign up for. There's an article, AdWords released their iPhone version of their AdWords mobile app. Uh, so you can now check your campaign budgets and all that, all that yeah. crap. Yeah. Um, so now you can get the app for both AdWords and Bing ads on both iOS and Android. So you can just work from the beach on your phone, I guess. Yeah. Um, which rem reminds me of a great story about when I was at Kenshu and we had a client roundtable. We flew in all these big agencies and you know biggest brands in the world. And we brought them into uh, Sausalito, that, that fancy place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. Right. And uh, we had this big kind of product reveal where we had our CTO and a bunch of really fancy people come into the room and show them the new Kenshu Anywhere mobile app. Yes. And they freaked out and started yeah. like, aggressively yelling at us like, why did you build this mobile app? We want, you know, some tracking thing or we want yeah. 
I don't know, something like more mundane. Right. Um, and it was like really awkward yet funny at the same time. Right. So that's a long setup to the question of does that app still exist? And do you guys have uh, a plan for doing more kind of mobile reporting? App still exists. And, you know, those who use it, I think, have become accustomed to it and really love it. I, I, I don't know offhand um, sort of the roadmap of the app functionality. Um, so I, I, I can't comment there, unfortunately. But, um, you know, I do, the folks that I talk to that use it, you know, it's almost, it reminds me as your story, it's almost like, you know, when Blackberries came out, you know, 80 years ago and you know, people had to work on weekends on the beach, it was like a, a, a curse and a blessing at the same time. And it's, it's sort of like this. I think, you know, people are more free, um, but it's also, uh, you know, those of them who are starting to use it are finding themselves kind of more plugged in. Um, so good and bad, but um, yeah, we're definitely, the app still is there. And, uh, you know, I still think um, a lot of folks really find um, that sort of on the go, every minute of the day access pretty vital. Fair enough. Um, I wanted you to say that it's failed miserably and it's been pulled from the market. <laughs> well, then you should have sent me a note ahead of time. Right. No, I'm just, uh, I mean, part of me, because I, I was in that room of being like, wow. You, you were yeah. one of the haters? Secretly inside, I always have been with mobile apps. Maybe it's just because I've been in so many meetings where some exec is like, we need a mobile app. And yeah. then it's like, but why do we need one? And is there a use case for it? But it's like, the world is mobile. We just need one. Right. And then we crank out some piece of crap that no one uses. Right. I'm not saying that's what happened. I can't shoot per se. Yeah. I'm just very uh, you know, skeptical whenever someone's like, we're rolling out a mobile app, um, especially in the B2B space. Right, but, right. No, anyway. that's fair. Um, cool. So mobile, local, and I think you said one other thing you look after. Social. So everything uh, except search. Everything but search. Yeah. Yeah. So then what is kind of uh, your main focus when you're talking to folks about kind of social? Well, you know, social has become a pretty big business. Um, <clears throat> as you see, I mean, the growth rates at Facebook are, are staggering. Um, and they're sort of writing the book for a lot of other social publishers and how to build and roll out products, how to build the API. Um, so we stay very close to those guys and, um, and different verticals have sort of come on and become prime time for Facebook. So, you know, obviously gaming and, and e-commerce, <coughs> excuse me, um, got out to early, um, sort of on the performance side of things, got out to early leads in the marketplace to complement sort of, um, you know, brand and page posts and engagement type activities. But we've really seen Facebook. Uh, start to cater to a number of other verticals of financial services and travel and auto, which maps nicely to Kenshu's business. So we've been able to really bring social across almost all of our verticals now. And, um, and you know, <clears throat> what we're doing is, is uh, the world has evolved um, and, and, you know, we can really kind of tie social to real business metrics. So we're not selling fans. We're not talking about, um, simply promoting content that organically had some, um, you know, nice comments around it. We really can map um, social and its impact to the broader uh, digital landscape to kind of key business KPIs. So that's really where we spend a lot of time understanding the client's business and then looking at various social channels to figure out, you know, what's mid funnel, what's upper funnel, what's lower funnel, how do we connect these dots, what's the impact that social has on paid search, um, those types of areas. So it's, it's a pretty exciting time. And, uh, like I said, social is a big, big piece of our business now. Well, you bring up a, 
a good point. Josh Treller, a former Kenshi guy as well. Yeah, yeah. He just put out a piece with, is he with, I don't want to say the company he's at wrong. Let's see, Search Engine Land. <clears throat> so he's writing for those guys. I'm not exactly sure who he is. Anyway, uh, to your point, his, his article, which was part one of like nine articles, which is really signing up for a slog there. But uh, his point was that cross-channel at this point is a lot of theory and Conceptually, people want to work cross-channel and, uh, and optimize cross-channel, but at the core of it, they don't do very well. Marketers, that is, don't do very well at cross-channel. So he kind of has a pretty pessimistic view of the state of cross-channel marketing. Um, you know, you just mentioned cross-channel quite a bit, and in fact, Kentry did that study last year, which Josh quotes um, about if you run basically search and social, they help each other, and it should have running a Facebook campaign improves the return on ad spend on the search spend which has been like a go-to slide for many folks in cross-channel yeah. for a while. Yeah. But yeah. curious to get your thoughts on kind of, since you're doing, you're focusing on social and that other stuff, but social and kind of a company with a search <coughs> background, do you find a lot of folks actually doing search social cross-channel? So I would say, yeah, a number of our clients are doing it. I would say many are interested and I think they believe in the concept um, but like a lot of things when it comes to sort of changing the way you look at measuring and changing the way you're open to different attribution, uh, it's a long process. You know, it needs a lot of buy-in from different uh, team leads and stakeholders. It needs, you know, tools that you can believe in. It needs empirical data and case studies. So um, while I think the concept is generally understood and appreciated, um, you know, it's we're still at the early stages of people taking action on that data. Um, and I'd say, you know, what's, what's complicated the matters is, is the migration of mobile. Um, so trying to understand, you know, the impact of cross channel when people are also switching devices. Um, so when Kenshu did a number of case studies and white papers with Facebook a couple of years ago, you know, it was very much sort of a cookie based uh, approach where we could connect, uh, click on a Facebook ad to a conversion in search and understand, you know, the relative value of Facebook in that path. So even if it wasn't gaining the credit for the conversion in a last click model, it was, um, you know, you, you had, you had definitive proof that it, that it, it either shortened a conversion cycle or to increase the over order, uh, average order value, um, of search, never mind driving its own conversions. But, you know, now things get a lot trickier and we start to work with third party companies like TapAd and Drawbridge to do cross device. And we continue to work with Google and Facebook to try to get you know, our hands on their data to be able to connect users across devices. So the world's gotten a lot more complex, which is when things are more complex, uh, you know, it's harder for marketers to sort of adopt um, some of these capabilities. So I would say that we're, it's going the right direction, but we have some pretty big problems to, as an industry to solve. And as much as you can share, does anything come to mind when you think of some of the best teams out there that are doing cross-channel, like an example of something that they're doing that's working really well? You know, no names, of course. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have some some very savvy performance marketers that um, have been able to not only study the impact of, in particular, Facebook on their paid search activity, but then to be able to set budgets um, uh, of what Facebook should deliver um, and and set their annual Facebook budget based off of their search activity. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a pretty 
uh, advanced way to look at. It's not just, hey, if I can hit my ROI, the sky's the limit. It's like, okay, we've looked at, and we've plotted on a curve what's the optimal level of investment for one channel based off of another that we have more experience with, more data with, more of a foundation on. Um, and we're starting to see more advertisers. We have a couple in financial services. We have a number in, in e-com. Um, just came back from London and, and one of the largest um, e-com players there are starting to look at how they budget other channels off of search, um, mm. looking at sort of these attribution models. So yeah, I think that there are some really good examples um, that are encouraging. And one comes to mind uh, still from, I remember when I was at Kenshu, taking search data, like uh, what we called search intent data, yeah. and shipping it over to Facebook so you could either do um, I think product listing ads. I think the, the most kind of concrete example is uh, people took their best performing keywords from search and their yep. best performing products from search and kind of automatically shipped them over to Facebook and then ran ads against those products. Uh, is that now commonplace in the retail world for folks using Kenshu? Well, so dynamic product ads have really, is a Facebook product, which, which Kenshu supports and adds all sorts of value layer on. Um, that's a kind of table stakes for retail and e-commerce, no doubt about it. Um, so we had a product a couple of years ago that would suggest to a retailer which products are seeing uh, strong ROI in your search program or gaining click volume and whatnot and recommend those products, excuse me, to the Facebook side. Largely, Facebook's own DPA product has kind of taken that need. So we helped to do, um, we brought intelligence from search into social at a product level couple years before Facebook doing it. Um, but they now have obviously more scale and through their own pixel, some, some capabilities around the on-site behavior, which, which are really driving a lot of growth there. But what is interesting, and we're, we're doing this with, with most of our clients that are using Kenshu for search and social is um, building custom audiences in Facebook based off of search intent data. So essentially, we built a product with Facebook that allows if a user in search clicks on an ad that uh, is a Kenshu ad, and we can cookie that user and send them through a redirect, we can then send that cookie ID to Facebook. And if Facebook has the same cookie ID in their massive, massive cookie pool, they can you know, immediately put that person at an individual level into a custom audience. Nice. So we can you know, essentially retarget users based off of their search intent and then start to build lookalikes. And when you start to think about, wow, I can do that for my high value keywords, or I can take my worst performing search campaigns and see if I have can fare better in Facebook, we've opens up a lot of use cases for leveraging search data into a paid social environment. Yeah, I mean that, and in super simple terms, so if I'm logging into Facebook and I'm looking at my audiences, I now have an audience called like, clicked on my you know, umbrella ads or clicked on my spring promo campaign. And I could then retarget in Facebook or do lookalikes based on that audience. That's pretty yeah, wild. Absolutely. And in some verticals, you know, those expensive keywords in Google. So, you know, you basically can capture the user and with a huge image in the Facebook newsfeed, go get that user for half the cost um, and then start to build audiences, you know, based off of what that user looks like. So it's a pretty powerful capability. Nice. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about video before I forget. Um, I was just talking kind of to the team here at AdStage uh, over FlowDoc, which is like Slack, if you don't know. Yep. So it's not really talking, but it's how people talk these days. Yeah. Um, 
video is everywhere. Like there, I think there's three or four articles in this week in ad tech about video, you know, the, I think I jotted down some highlights. Let's see, Sheryl Sandberg announced that Facebook now sees a hundred million hours of video being watched each day. They have 500 million people watching video each day, and it's going to be a big focus of Facebook's growth. Yahoo via Gemini now introduced video, so you can buy what they're calling native video on mm -hmm. the Yahoo network. Um, Instagram obviously has a video component to mm -hmm. what they're doing as well. Um, there's rumors about Pinterest adding, you know, uh, pinned videos into their mix. Uh, are you guys, or are you personally? thinking video is is getting the attention it deserves or is it getting too much attention? Are, are video ads really converting? I don't know. What are your thoughts on video? Yes. I mean, it's getting a lot of attention. That's for sure. Those are huge numbers. I mean, 100 million hours of video watched a day on Facebook is enormous. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's obviously highly engaging content on the device. And there's a lot of really cool capabilities that these publishers are building in. So I don't think any of the intention is unwarranted. Um, I think <clears throat> how we measure video is, um, is increasingly important um, to make sure that it's standardized. And we can kind of compare across different publishers. And we can compare against TV. And as they shift from maybe <clears throat> TV to online to digital um, increases, understanding um, the two different kind of measurement systems um, <clears throat> is, is important. So we don't overvalue or undervalue um, video, but I mean, it's certainly uh, highly engaging. I think connecting videos to conversions is, um, you know, is a big opportunity for these guys because in, in most publishers, it's, it's sort of a mid funnel activity. Um, and to be able to really connect the dots between a, an app download or a, a purchase or a, an email address registration off that video um, would give it some more weight in a sense. But um, yeah, we're very bullish on it. We support a lot of capabilities on these publishers for video. We're, um, it's always part of um, our questions with clients to understand what they're doing. I mean, it, it, you know, but at, you know, at its core, it's, there's a big bottleneck in the creation of video. You know, and it's a it's a difficult process to bring technology in an elegant fashion. You know, so we're not you know, th there's not really elegant ways to create massive personalized videos. Um, you know, so a lot of the stuff is is going back um, and and you know, kind of developing these things in an expensive process, and then how you know how do we iterate this? So I think as engaging as it is, um, I think there's a lot of opportunities for for marketers specifically to figure out. Um, scalable and effect, cost-effective ways to, to get the videos, you know, produced and uh, before they're ready to be distributed. And the the answer to this question can be no. But um, how familiar are you with Gemini and what Yahoo's doing? Uh, are you guys paying close attention? Uh, yes, Kenshi, we are. Uh, I mean, I'm not an expert, so maybe that's the no uh, you're looking for. But um, you know, we support Yahoo um, from a search perspective. We're keeping close eyes on their native side um talking to a lot of marketers around you know its capabilities i think they've been great to work with as far as a publisher i think they they know what they're doing in terms of an api and they um there's there's a there's a, a real um collaboration with their go-to-market teams in terms of the positioning and the sales and whatnot 
Um, you know, I think though that the from a user standpoint, we're still we're still looking for growth, and um, from a from a native perspective, which I know you know, I think that's where the video is is going to see more um, daylight. I, I think you know, trying to understand who are these users on Gemini, what are they looking to do, which verticals we're going to map to those users. So, I think it's earlier days for us, and and I'm not the expert um, on this in Kenju, but uh, we are working with these guys and excited to bring another premium publisher to the mix. And um, so you said native a few times. This is, I always get confused. What does native mean anymore? Because like running video ads on on your site, I mean, why is that native and not just a video ad? I don't know. Are, are you having this problem with the, the word native being used to describe any ad now? Because no one wants to buy display ads. They want to buy native ads. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not, you know, we're not really having that problem. I'm, I'm sort of the, I'll say native if you say native. I won't yeah, well, if you don't. I, I'm not. I'm not trying to define these these uh, these words. Um, you know, I think where we start talking a lot about is you know we've built a business and we work with a lot of advertisers um, through deep API connections with publishers, which allows for strong targeting, which allows for support of pretty sophisticated uh, bidding. Um, and and not so much on the sort of the programmatic side um, of display, and where I think we start to see more, you know, native take hold, whatnot. So I don't really delve into are we doing native or are we not, or what does that really mean. Um, I think you know, but to, to think about it simply, if a publisher has gotten really serious about an API and exposes that API endpoints to a company like Kenshu that can build technology solutions on it, um, if you consider that native, then we're in the game. Right. Okay. Fair point. Um, I just think all these people calling their inventory native because <clears throat> it gets a better premium, even though I can't tell the difference between their native ad and like a display ad. It looks, you yeah. know, it, yeah, it's yeah. an integrated native experience. It's yeah. a video in the middle of some other video. It's a yeah. video ad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, speaking of video in the middle of video, uh, Marketing Dive put out uh, some study about video. Where is it? Here it is. So. 41%, uh, well, I shouldn't start at the end of the quote here. So they, Teeds, which is a video ad tech company that mm -hmm. happens to sell inventory that is not pre-roll, put out the survey <laughs> saying that pre-roll ads were seen as the most intrusive format mm. that users are used to seeing. Yeah. And it caused 41% of ad block software installations. Um, of course, I instantly distrust it because the company is selling you non-pre-roll inventory and it, it just doesn't sound right that more people are installing ad block as a pre-roll instead of like crappy pop-ups or those like outbrain, you know, lose belly fat ads right. that everyone hates. Right. Uh, but anyway, uh, to your point about measurement in video and still a long way to go before video can kind of fulfill on, on some of the um, expectations it has on it. It sounds like people are still trying to figure out what is native and is pre-roll the right the right way to sell your inventory. Uh, so I thought I would just bring that up. Yeah, I saw that. I read that as well. Um, I, I don't know how a company can determine the the, the type of ad that caused 40% of the installations to come from. Um, I mean, clearly, this ad blocking software is a big uh, it's a big topic. Um, I was, if I'm if I'm remembering the same article, there was a couple other stats that really gave me pause. One was that 20% men are 22% more likely to use ad blocking tech 
on devices and Hispanics are 78% more likely to add. I mean, these are just interesting stats. I, I don't know what to do uh, with them, but um, they gave me actually a chuckle. Well, um, yeah, they made, they made me chuckle too. Cause at first I was like, well, maybe cause you know, if they're Spanish speaking and all these ads are in English, they're more likely to be like, these are totally irrelevant to me, which could point out an underserved market. Or they go back to like this company it's probably some crappy survey, even though it's surveyed 9,000 people. I mean, they're trying to sell um, like interstitial video by telling you how bad pre-roll is. So right, right, it's, right. It sounds like a, a survey that was intended to have a certain answer. Um, yeah. Oh, but you just reminded me of something funny, which then totally flew out of my head. Um, oh. Right. Oh, that's it. It's not funny at all. But I usually ask folks, do you use Adblock or not? I don't. Um, I, I browse a lot in incognito browsers. Um, well, that's for another reason, but yeah, yeah, that's not for the podcast. Um, but I feel like, you know, as a, as a, you know, as a consumer and a user of a lot of these services and then someone in the industry that's always trying to learn and test, it can massively confuse my, my user kind of profile and experience by, being cookie and tagged all over the place and being susceptible to um, all this stuff. So I don't use them. Um, I'd like to learn more about them um, and, yeah. uh, because I haven't had much experience with them. But uh, I think it's a it's a pretty interesting topic for our industry to talk about. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to really separate, I, you know, in one sense, I think it's really good. I think it's really good. It'll, you know, for a long time, particularly. So I've been working on the Facebook ads side of, of things for almost since the beginning um, of the Facebook ads API. And a lot of the promise of this was like, these ads are going to be well-targeted. The content's going to be good. Otherwise we're not going to serve them. Um, and, you know, we, we really relinquished a lot of controls to Facebook's ad serving to make sure that the ad was relevant and good and got engagement. And if it was getting sort of X outs, they would kill the quality score and all this stuff. And and they've generated a very strong, and I, I think for the most part, a good user experience. And I and I kind of feel, um, you know, ad blocking software should, uh, you know, kind of produce similar results and just produce much higher quality, more relevant, better targeted ads, and overall make it a better experience for both marketers and users. So I'm not against them, but I do think they they provide some pretty interesting challenges for a lot of people, and it's going to force them to kind of innovate and think uh, differently. And along those lines, Google announced that, you know, they have this AMP uh, accelerated mobile yeah. landing page thing that yeah. they're doing. Uh, so they've announced, uh, I think in February it starts and there's like 20 partners that are now part of this whole kind of AMP uh, product. And for those of you who don't know what AMP is, so essentially Google's putting these standards in place. So if you want to um, <laughs> serve ads, the like landing pages have to meet certain criteria or Google will stop serving ads that click through to those pages <clears throat> on mobile, especially. So uh, the idea, and they sum it up with a bunch of corporate BS, but um, they basically say the goal is to make ads load really fast, make sure they're beautiful and innovative. I don't know what that means. Um, they're safe and secure. So everything's got to be HTTPS and that, um, <laughs> Point four is that we're better together and it has broad industry participation. Mm. Um, I think a lot like what Facebook did with uh, kind of the news links, I'm forgetting the name of, of kind of the official term for the news sites that are kind of whitelisted and 
load really fast because they've been like preloaded mm. and cached. Yeah, um, those Google's taking that same approach, so yeah. that uh, that experience is better. But yeah. it goes along with what you're saying about kind of this whole ad block concept of ads have got really spammy and shitty, and now there's kind of this reaction with everybody talking about ad block and Facebook and Google both rolling out kind of protocols to follow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I think uh, I, I would agree in the sort of analogy with Facebook, and it, you know, it looks like. Um, uh, from what I understand about it, I do think it's sort of, um, you know, Google's behind it, but it is an open source type project and they're opening up to more content partners, distribution partners, publishers. So it could take hold well. And if it, if it, if it makes these kind of content rich sites with videos and animations and graphics and smart ads, if it makes it load better, um, I think we'll have a better user experience and we'll see less drop off, um, which should make the advertisers and marketers, um, you know, happier. So, I'm excited to watch kind of what happens with it. Nice. I'd also like to point out that our friend AJ Wilcox joined and just gave me 1,800 uh, props, likes, whatever they are now. So <laughs> I apologize for destroying you in the uh, in the fan polling here. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize that that's what that was. I thought it was like, I'm doing pretty good, 76 out of 100. <laughs> um, but now that's I see a- your numbers start crushing it. So I didn't realize we were in a contest. We are, and you're losing. Okay, heart. yeah. Thanks for prepping me on that. Um, <laughs> no, I think it's just. Uh, so I don't, this is your first time on Blab, right? You haven't. You haven't yeah. Been on Blab before. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the founders uh, at Blab know some of the some of the guys here at AdStage. They all work together um, at Bebo, which was acquired by yeah. Yahoo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of them built some of the Yahoo email stuff back in the day. Cool. Um, so oh, I got, guess I'm getting some real good sympathy momentum here. Uh, so whoever that is, that's awesome. I right. That. So that's actually AJ, who's one, um, you know, so we support LinkedIn. AdStage is a, a LinkedIn authorized platform. And AJ is probably the leading LinkedIn agency guy. He started an agency that focuses on LinkedIn. He's got any big brand that's kind of serious about LinkedIn and doing awesome. B2B. Um, so he's, and he's been on AdStage for two years, pretty much since we got our LinkedIn integration set up. Awesome. So he's a, he's a friend of, friend of AdStage. That's cool. Um, cool. So one other article I wanted to talk about, Facebook. Um, the, Instagram is killing it. The, the numbers actually don't make sense now that I think about them. Um, but according to Marketing Dive, who is actually quoting Brand Networks. So Brand Networks did a study. Yeah. Uh, Impressions were about 670 million in uh, 2016 on Instagram, or sorry, 670 million impressions just in December of last year. So they're probably going to be doing a billion impressions a month pretty soon. And according to Fortune slash Credit Suisse, Credit Suisse, yep. never, never know how to say that, Instagram will reach $3.2 billion in revenue in 2016, which is like mind blowing. Can it really be 3.2? billion dollars um, in two, 2016. Anyway, so Instagram is killing it. I assume everybody on social that has Facebook is doing Instagram. Yeah, I would say not, not everyone. I mean, I think most have tried it. Um, kind of the end of last year, we saw a lot of testing budgets. Um, what we're starting to see, and Facebook's kind of cleverly um, positioning this as sort of a different publisher um, under their umbrella, when in fact, from a API perspective, it's simply a different placement. So it's highly scalable and it's using all of the same targeting that you can do on Facebook. So those advertisers that have 
honed in their Facebook advertising skills can just simply port <clears throat> a lot of their program. Obviously, we need to think a lot differently about creative um, and the imagery. Um, and it's, you know, it's a different uh, type of way to tell a story. So I don't want to say they're, they're identical, but we're leveraging all the API infrastructure and all the, 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 you know, the targeting, the optimization. Um, so they're seeing really nice scale, uh, even though they're kind of talking about it and their narrative is sort of a separate publisher. Um, so yeah, I think many of them are, there's a pretty high crossover. Facebook won't acknowledge how many users have both an Instagram and a Facebook log on, but it's got to be sort of over, my guess is it's 75, 80%, if not higher. Um, so they can kind of index users across both publishers. And um, yeah, it we're super bullish on Instagram. It's an awesome platform. You know, anyone, any millennial or younger, um, someone younger, that, that, that's their, their one of their main, if not their main social network. So I just see huge engagement there. And, and as advertisers think carefully about video and telling cool stories and the imagery, it's, um, uh, yeah, we, we have pretty high expectations. I, I don't, we don't have numbers like Credit Suisse or Suisse. Uh, um, you know, we haven't done those kind of calculations, but I, I, I wouldn't, uh, nothing strikes me as too far off. Yeah. Um, well, so two things, one, it also, so you say Facebook kind of is talking about Instagram, like another network. Uh, we love it too. I, I'm sure can't you as well. Like, cause now it's like another network we support that was pretty darn easy to integrate yeah. because it was like yeah. a checkbox and a few other pieces it took like two weeks and we had it up and running. Um, so we can say six networks because of Instagram, but right. to, to your point, we're also seeing most people, even though they should think about creative differently and, and, you know, create ads specifically for Instagram, they're not, they're just kind yeah. of opting into it and letting their Facebook ads run yeah. as maybe a one and then they'll, they'll get back to it. Yeah. Um, so what about other networks? I mean, Pinterest, Snapchat is, there's a lot of news about them introducing an, an ads network. Yeah. Uh, any, any chatter from the folks you talk to about, you know, desire to advertise on those? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of questions on Snapchat. I think from a mobile video perspective, it's got huge potential. Again, the right audience, a hard to reach audience, a hard to understand audience, um, highly engaged users and, and um, some pretty serious growth. So, you know, how and how they go to market um, in terms of an API and, and uh, you know, how structured that is and, and um, how big they open up the gates. I think we're kind of anxiously awaiting to, to see, but a um, lot of questions, a lot of kind of, um, I don't want to say noise from a negative perception, but like just, yeah, a lot of interest. Um, Pinterest is very interesting. I mean, I, I applaud Pinterest in sort of really focusing on primarily retail and, and CPG verticals and not trying to sell their, their platform to every advertiser. I think they know where they're strong and I think they want to set some estimates and, and beat them and kind of earn their stripes and not, um, not kind of go out big and then, and then, you know, um, not hit expectations and have everyone trying to figure out kind of who they are. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited about Pinterest and, um, you know, if, if you listen to how they talk, it, you know, Pinterest is very much sort of like a planning, um, a planning tool, if you will. If, if I'm pinning a board, I'm either redecorating my dining room or I'm going on vacation or I'm trying to put together an outfit or, you know, whatever I might be doing. So there's a ton of intent uh, that's very, very valuable, I think, uh, to a brand, to a retailer, to a marketer, um, that if we can find a way to tie that to downstream conversions um, and, we, and we're open to looking at Pinterest, um, not just from a direct, you know, did I 
see or click an ad and then purchase, but you know, did it assist um, and did it impact sort of the buying behavior? There's huge potential there. So I like, uh, I think they're getting some heat in terms of really kind of limiting expectations um, and focusing on a couple of core verticals and um, you know, telling some pretty premium publishers or, or advertisers and agencies that were, but they're not going full speed ahead with, with all verticals. I, I, I give them a lot of credit for that. So, um, um, yeah. And you heard it here first that Brian uses Pinterest to pick out his outfit for the day. So. And yeah. And, um, and decorate my, my dining room. So it's, um, share that board. Yeah. Yeah. See it. yeah. Uh, I have actually a pretty awkward number of pin boards from, um, who are they? Are you familiar with the, um, what's it called? Awkward family photos. Yes, I am. So yeah. I'm a big fan of that stuff. And I have a pin board of, of a lot of those people that I want to meet one day. And my nice. wife like totally freaked out that this is like a public board and, you know, but um, I, I use Pinterest for a lot of sort of entertainment and comedy more than anything. That is pretty random. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But to your point about Pinterest, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It takes, take some discipline to not open up your ads to the folks who are probably willing to give you money. You know, I wonder if, I mean, it's a Facebook acquisition waiting to happen if they can afford it. I mean, it's like Instagram. You can see what happens if you can plug a, a really large user base with a, a quality product into existing ads API, as opposed to trying to build your own. You look at Twitter who is still struggling to grow revenue because their API is kind of all over the place. Um, and you wonder if, if maybe that's going in the back of the Pinterest folks heads about yeah. when when are they going to make the offer if they haven't already yeah uh, one last thing on facebook um, in terms of growing their audience network so they have expanded so now when you opt into the facebook audience network you're also <laughs> going to get mobile web traffic so today you've been getting mobile app traffic right and now they're introducing mobile web traffic which i initially thought who cares like like isn't that some tiny number, but turns out, what's the stat? 93% of mobile traffic that's going to news sites, people reading the news, comes from mobile web, does not come from apps. Yeah. So, so that's a lot of traffic. So that's yeah, that was that, that is, It's great news. I, I would never have guessed it'd be that high. Um, you know, all the stats I, I read about apps, not news specific, but, you know, we're in apps 85 to 90% of our time on a device. Um, so to see a stat for news kind of completely negate that um, was surprising to me. But, yeah, I think it opens up a lot of inventory. And, um, you know, if they can maintain kind of quality inventory, um, I think it would be a real big kind of boon for the, the growth of uh, the audience network. Right. Yeah, I guess it makes sense if you think of, like, the Facebook app and uh, instant messaging, you know, products or texting apps. Almost everything is pretty much app-driven, except the when you get your headlines, you know, unless you're buying one of like the New York Times or Wall Street Journal apps or something like that, you're probably still using like Yahoo News through a browser, yeah. like a mobile yeah. browser or something. Yeah. yeah. Are, are people still using uh, Flipboard? Because that yeah. was my favorite for a while. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I remember that Flipboard. We, so we put out an academy uh, recently. It's like a new website and we're using Uberflip, which is like a variation of Flipboard to like yeah, manage yeah. I know so those people, guys up in like Toronto, right? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I know them. Um, so cool flipping company. stuff is still very popular, but yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know about 
whether that's popular. Um, also, well, I think it's every headline I could possibly think of from this week in ad tech. I appreciate your wise insight. Uh, yeah, cool. It's um, like I said, this is uh, it's fun. My first time, you know, hanging out with you on a podcast. So, uh, um, I you know, we were close in terms of uh, props, but you're you're running away. But yeah, I guess there's a hack to give unlimited yeah. props. So now I'm now I'm questioning the authenticity of all my fans. <laughs> well, you know, much like. Uh, Google changed the definition of uh, conversions and converted clicks so it can like double count all your conversions, you know, and became a meaningless number. Uh, the props have become a meaningless number because they've been spammed into the thousands. But, but it is still, it's fun to sit here and watch the number grow. Uh, it's amazingly distracting. Yeah, it's, totally uh, is. <laughs> there's just this like flurry of AJ's head flying over your face. And then it sometimes starts slowing down and then you kind of picture his finger getting tired and it's just <laughs> creeping out. But anyway, it was a good time catching up with you. Um, come back sometime. Let us know how things are going. Uh, and good luck at Kenshu. I'm sure you guys have exciting 2016 ahead of you. That's awesome. You too, Paul. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. It was a pleasure. And um, yeah, I'd love to join you again. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. Bye.